Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. How are you liking February so far? I just wanted to let uh, some, some of you know um, uh, we don't have a baby announcement yet. And um, Allie Mike went to the hospital last night about supper time, and um, she's up to about eight centimeters, and that's kind of stalled out. I don't know what that means, but uh, it just means there's no baby yet. So. Um, So I just want to have a word of prayer. I'd like to pray for them and, um, and just ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to come together as a body in Christ and worship the living God. Lord, truly you've saved our life. You not only save our souls, but you save our lives. And uh, we are just so grateful. Grateful, Lord, for all you do for us. And we'd like to pray for Allie and Mike as they wait for their baby to come, that you would bless them and keep them and, and keep them safe and then have a healthy baby. Thank you for um, all these things, Lord, all the goodness of God. I pray you'd speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Ecclesiastes 7 today. Um, <clears throat> got a little uh, question for you. Uh, I'm going to give you a line from a song, and you can tell me if you know it. Uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time, so have a good time because the sun can't shine every day. Trooper. Gee, I'm surprised how many people. You know why you know that? Because they used to beat that song to death on the radio, like over and over and over. And I still hear it today, and I really don't like the song. I, I, don't, I don't like Trooper either. But uh, anyway... Um, is there any truth to that? Is there any truth to that song? We're here for a good time, not a long time. Well, it's kind of a bit of truth there, but so have a good time. I think we're here for more than a good time. I hope you're here for more than a good time. The Lord, um, it's one of my favorite verses, uh, Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. So we want to hear from him. I'm just the, the speaker, but it's the word of God that we want to listen to, and I hope you will get something out of this today. Uh, maybe you can think about why you're here, because that's a really important question. Um, you know, there's questions that, if, you, if you're thinking at all, if you're thinking at all, you would want to know the answers to these questions. Who are you, anyway? 
You know, did you just come from the swamp and your grandfather was an ape? Um, was a pretty media. I was thinking about birth, about about uh, my daughter giving birth. I'm thinking, how on earth could anybody ever think that that happened without the intelligence and power and purpose of God? You know, I mean, if you believe in evolution, uh, which came first? You know, the baby or the womb? Right? The chicken or the egg? Like, you, you just can't, if you think about it, it, it just begs the question, now there's something more than that. Uh, another question, where did you come from? You need to know the answer to that question. Why are you here? That's a big one. Why are you here? And where are you going? You need to have answers to these questions. Otherwise, um, you're just going to, you're not going to get anywhere. It's like uh, when Josh first started the series and he was drawing these perfect circles with his magical arm. He's going round and round in the perfect circles. Uh, we'll not soon forget that. And, and, you know, is that what your life is like, going around in circles? Uh, Josh gave me a title for this, for this sermon called the Happy Endings. Um, and there is an end. There is an end. So I'm going to tell you the way I see it and the way Ecclesiastes sees it. We're not here for a good time. And we're not here for a long time. But that begs the question, what am I here for? And as the theme of the messages this winter is, what's the point? So we're going to look into Ecclesiastes 7. And these are kind of like Proverbs. You know, there's, I don't know if your Bible breaks up. Sometimes there's just, you know, speaking. But then there's Proverbs, and it's sort of broken up. So he starts off by saying, a good name is better than precious ointment. So maybe to help us understand that a little better. Um, Martin Luther translated it this way. A good odor is better than good ointment. In other words, a good reputation is better than having to cover up a stinking character. That's sort of what he's getting at. A good name is more important than a good smell or a fake pose. The word uh, name here is, is Shem. And um, it's interesting that when Adam and Eve had their their third son, they called him Shem. They called him Name. I just don't quite get that, but uh, that's what they called him. Proverbs 22 says, a good name is better than a lot of money. And so a good name is associated with a good character. So you're here, uh, you know, the world says you're here for a good time. God says, no, you're here for a good name. You're here to have a good name. So if you have a business, there's few things more important to your business than your reputation. And we think of, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But if you're just an ordinary person, what's more important than your good name? To have a good reputation. Do people think well of you and you don't have to strike some fake pose or put up a facade or make yourself smell nice to, to cover up uh, that you're not so nice? You want to have a good name. That's, uh, that's important. Then he, it says, uh, it is uh, the day of death is better than the day of birth. Now, I, that kind of runs counter to what we might think. Um, and I think what he's saying is that we learn more from the day of death, or about the day of death, than we do from the day of birth. There was an ancient Greek tribe, uh, Thracian tribe, and they used to mark birthdays as days of sadness. 
So there was no birthday cake, there was no party and no celebration. Uh, it was a day of sadness. Now, now Violet, our granddaughter, her birthday's on the 20th. And somebody must have planted the idea that she was having a party at the swimming pool. And all her friends were coming and she's gonna have Smarties, cotton candy, and chocolate cake and chocolate ice cream. And she just talks about it nonstop. When we pray together, she's praying about her party because that's all she's thinking about. Um, <laughs> It's going to be some party, and uh, if you get invited, then make sure you come. Um, but you know, that you learn more about the day of death than, than you do the day of birth, and, and there is some truth to that. I mean, when you think about, you know, you're going ahead toward your day of death, who wants to go backward? Like, do you want to go back to school? I went to school for 19 years, and I know I wasn't, I didn't fail a lot of years, I just went extra. <laughs> I liked it so much I did some more. Um, but I can remember those long days looking out the window, like grade six, wishing I was hanging in a tree instead of stuck in a classroom. Who wants to go through dating again? How many of you enjoyed dating? What a grind. Oh. How many of you had your heart broken? Come on, I'd be honest, probably just about everybody. And maybe you broke a heart, too. I'm glad that's over. You know, you, get, you find the one, you, if, you're in, if you get any sense at all, you stay married until the end. Because it's, it's just easier than trying to do it again. <laughs> Who wants to go through all the temptations again? You know, uh, as you get older, um, you, you're kind of glad some things are, are done with. Um, so temptations, there's some temptations. I, I don't want to go through that again. Sickness, you know, maybe you've gone through some sickness. Or you don't want to do that again. Um, loss, like some of us have, you know, most of us have suffered some kind of loss, and it's just, man, that's really hard. Um, so you don't want to go back, and thankfully you can't. You have to go ahead. So the end is coming. And I, I believe, it's like it's the one thing, aside from the government taking a lot of your money. So one thing you can count on is that you are going to die. That's the most important fact of your life. Yes, you were born, and that's pretty important, but you're going to die. And nobody really wants to talk about it. People avoid it. They talk about, you know, when they have commercials about the end of your life, and they call it final expenses. Just kind of dress it up. It's final expenses. It's like, and then what? <laughs> Six feet under? Well, this is what God says. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed unto man once to die. There's no re reincarnation. You're not coming back as something else. That's not true. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And what's the judgment? You're going to stand before a holy God and give account of your life. And so God says, you better be here for a good name and you better be here for a good end because you're going to have to give an account. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, you know. Um, I, I pastored for a lot of years and then I retired and I'm out to pastor. Um, and there's, there's some good things about it, but... It's kind of sobering. Um, 
So it says in um, Psalm chapter 90, For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So, you know, he's sort of averaging out, you know, maybe the the lifespan. So I just turned 70. And that song from Simon and Garfunkel, uh, bookends, kept playing over and over in my head. How terribly strange to be 70. It is strange. People try to sugarcoat getting old. You know, you're not old. 70 is the new 60. Oh, maybe it is for you, buddy, but it's not for me. Sometimes it's like 70 is the new 80. Uh, This morning, uh, we often have Violet over for the night, but this was, I think, the first Saturday night we had Violet over, so we had to get her ready for church this morning. I've forgotten how difficult it is to get one kid ready for church. Yeah, I can remember getting a bunch ready, and that was something. So I'm, I'm getting her clothes on. I put her tights on. They weren't going on right. Glenda said they're on backwards. <laughs> I tried to put her dress on, and I don't know what it was twisted up to. I couldn't do it. Violet was getting pretty exasperated, and Glenda came in and rescued me. Uh, th- things just get harder. So, you know, sometimes you would uh, maybe hear somebody say, well, you get older, what would you tell your younger self? Well, that's foolish. I can't tell my younger self anything. Not that I would listen. Um, So I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. How many of you here are in your 20s? None. Vicky. Vicky's still in her 20s. Well, Vicky, you're a pretty together person. I'm going to tell you anyway. Get serious about your life. Take care of your health. Teenagers, 20s, you got two huge resources in your life. One is your time and one is your health. You better take care of it. I didn't do that. That's why I feel 80 some days because I wasted 10 years of my life and it took a toll and I'm starting to feel it. Um, Save some money. You know, when you get older, your health and, and a little bit of money really make a difference so that you're not dependent on somebody else to look after you. What about your 30s? There's nothing more important than God and your family. There's nothing more important than God or your family. It's more important than your job. It's more important than your hobby. It's more important than your sports. It's more important than anything. Because you can't get it back if you don't do it right. Your family is important. And men need to know that. Young men, you need to know that. If you're going to have, uh, get married and, and have children, there's nothing more important. And that's what you ought to do. Yeah, it's not easy, but it's, it's the most rewarding thing you'll do. What about your 40s? How many people are here in your 40s? Jeez, you're all old or not. <laughs> Listen, you're in your 40s, don't do something stupid. Because people in their 40s, they do stupid things sometimes. 
they think like, ah, I think I'm 18 again. I'm going to go and do something that I did when I was 18. Don't do stuff like that. Uh, you know, the time you get into your 40s, you got to grow up and, and do the hard thing, you know? If things aren't working out right, just keep plugging away. Don't try to get out of something, particularly your marriage. Stick it out. Now, 50s. I think the 50s are the prime of life. And you know why? Because kids start leaving. That's <laughs> why. And yes, it hurts. And I, I've talked to some of you and your, your kids are going off to college and university and, and, and I'm saying it's really, it's kind of difficult, isn't it? But there's a little smile and they say, yeah, but it's kind of nice too. Uh, it's nice to have some freedom. It's, what's really nice is if your children can become independent. It's really good if they can get out into the world and, and, and launch themselves and, 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 and free you up. And see, that's why you want to have a little money you don't need a lot of money, but you need a little bit so you can enjoy your 50s. Uh, I, to me, it was, uh, it was the best. I was really healthy. and uh, But, you know, 60s, how many of you are in your 60s? Yeah, there's more. Jeez, Some of you just don't want to cooperate. That's what it is. Um, I'll tell you about your 60s. And so a lot of you are going to get there someday. When you get in your 60s, you're going to hit the wall. You are. And I don't know if it'll be 60 or 69 and three quarters, but you're going to hit a wall. Either your health your, or your losses or your career, but things are going to really change in your 60s. So when you say you want to retire at 65, that's a big adjustment. Say you lose somebody really close to you in your 60s. That's a big adjustment. You've got to get ready for that. How do you get ready for those things? You better be close to God is all I can say. You better have somebody who can hold you up. If you lose your spouse, who's going to hold you up? It better be God. I don't know who else would, could do it. You lose somebody close, you're going to need God more than you ever thought possible. Verse 2, Ecclesiastes 7, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. The world says, have a good time. So I, I bought into that. I thought, hey, that's why I'm here. I'm here to have a good time. And so I get into the party life, and people would say, what are you doing Friday night? Oh, we're going to get stupid. <laughs> my God, I can't believe that. I can't believe those things will come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, we're getting stupid. That's stupid. That's dumb. Don't, don't think like that. Um, because partying ceases to be fun, and it becomes a grind. Nobody plans to be a fentanyl addict. See, in, in my day, it was a little bit of pot and a little bit of beer, and, and that was enough to ruin your life. But nowadays, it's way worse than that. So you might go out and somebody hands you something, and you have no idea what's in it. 
And it might be something that will just destroy you in one night. It might rewire your brain chemistry and your circuitry in one night so that you're never the same. So you better plan not to be a fentanyl addict. You better, if you're wise, stay away from it. Stay away from all of it. That's my advice. You know, I come from a line of uh, people who couldn't stay away and who got trapped. My father, me, my daughter. I wish I had stayed away from it. So what wisdom is saying here is you'll find more truth at a funeral or a cemetery instead of at a party. How many of you go to cemeteries? Now I'm telling you, a cemetery is a place of wisdom. Um, you, you can get stories from cemeteries, especially in the, the older cemeteries, because they would put meaningful stuff on their stone sometimes. So uh, I've been going to a cemetery in the backwoods of Pictou County since I've been a little boy. Because all the Campbells in my family, they, they start at one end and go right to the other end, back to like 1800, 1810. And there's, so there's, uh, this is how it is. There's, there's my daughter, died at 33. There's my father, who died at 54. My mother, who died at 98. My grandfather, who died at 61. My great-grandmother, who died at 100. See, if you're a woman, you're probably going to live longer. That's the way it is in my family. And then my, uh, my father's grandparents and then their grandparents. And it's kind of neat. Like I, I started going there. My dad would take me because my aunts, my Boston aunts would come home and they'd want to go and visit their parents in the cemetery. So we would go and um, I would go with them. And I, I just kind of always feel, actually, I feel comfortable at a cemetery. Um, and, the, and God says that's a wise place to go because it teaches you something. It teaches you that there's an end and it teaches you uh, about how you should live. So it says embrace mourning and embrace sorrow. Sorrow, verse three, is better than laughter. Hmm, man, that's really wild because the world doesn't think that way. The world says, Jesus, you're gonna run from sorrow and you better get a lot of laughs. Um, I think in the, the Bible, I normally use the New King James, it says mirth, or the Old King James says mirth. Uh, sorrow is better than mirth. That's an old name. We don't use that anymore. But it just simply means laughter. So there's nothing wrong with a good laugh. There's nothing wrong with having a good time. It's just life is not all about those things. And laughter is often a mask for the anxiety in a soul. Frivolity is often a denial of pain and trying to overcome sorrow. So you can be addicted to laughter. And I think the world has become addicted to a lot of things. It's not just, you know, uh, drugs and such things that harm us, but, you know, uh, a lot of people can't live without a lot of noise. So they have to either be laughing or there has to be music playing or they have to be on their phone because they don't know what to do with themselves if there's silence. And I don't know how often you experience silence, but I think we're going to get some snow this week. More than likely. I just hope we don't get a lot. But 
going out in a snowstorm, it's quiet. You ever notice that, how quiet it is? And, and somebody posted something, I don't know if it's true, but it sounds reasonable. They said, well, it's all the snow falling down. It kind of is absorbing all the sound waves. And so everything is just quiet and peaceful. And I hope you have some of that in your life because that is, uh, gives you a, um, a vehicle for contemplation. And it seems that we, we resist contemplating. We don't like the quiet. And you know, God speaks in the quiet. It got, it, the Bible says God has a quiet voice. He's not out there blaring and blasting his voice. He's quiet. And if you want to hear from God and hear what he's saying in your heart, you got to have some quiet. So it says here, the, by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. Verse 3, the sadness of face, the heart is made glad. Why? Because it, sadness stimulates contemplation. It draws your thoughts up instead of out. You know, when you're contemplating, you start thinking about bigger things than what the world can offer. And we need that. Because if we're just listening to what the world says, it just says you're here for a good time. And God says, no, you're here for a good name and you're here for a good end and you're here to prepare for eternity. That's why you're here. See, we were made to live forever. And there's going to be a resurrection someday. All the bodies in all the graves are going to come up. You go to a cemetery, most Christian cemeteries, all the stones are facing east. You know why? So when the body raises up out of the grave, they're going to be facing Jerusalem because that's where Jesus is coming back. Did you, know, did you know that? That's a Christian tradition going back probably to the time of Christ. And not only are the saved people going to be raised, but all the unsaved people are going to be raised. And there's a resurrection to life and there's a resurrection to damnation. There's a resurrection to life uh, where you get a body like Jesus' body. An immortal body, an indestructible body, a body that can transport itself. That's really going to be handy. No more waiting in lines. No more lines. But if you, have the, uh, if you are the unfortunate who has to go to the resurrection of damnation, you're going to end up with the great white throne judgment. And there you're going to have to answer for your sins, only you won't be able to give any answer because you have no answer. And you will be sentenced to hell. You know, that used to be a fairly common teaching in our society. And I, every night, you know, if I watch the news, there's always, it's either homeless people and, and fentanyl on, on, and it's it's really sad. And, and, and well-meaning people are trying to figure out, what are we going to do about this? And nobody's got any answer. And you know why? Because uh, a few decades ago, our country, our society, decided that we don't need God anymore. And, and God uh, was uh, taken out of the churches, and prayer was taken out of schools, and people forgot about the Bible, and kids weren't brought to Sunday school, and uh, any of that. And you know what comes in? That vacuum? Evil. 
And so what you're seeing today is evil. And it's not that the people are more evil than people of yesterday. It just, there's just more evil around. You know, the drugs have gotten stronger. Well, where is that coming from? That's coming from the devil. That's what he likes to do. He likes to kill and destroy. And that's what he's doing. And people think, oh, if we just uh, take care of their needs and you know, we just have some more counselors. No, no, they need a change of soul, a change of heart, a change of mind. They need God. I'll tell you, they, you they'll, they'll work themselves in, in, you know, into madness trying to figure out what to do. And only God's got answers for that. And the problem just keeps getting bigger. And, and I tell you, it's like a snow, uh, snowball running downhill. And it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Verse 5, it's better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. It's meaningless. Do you have that picture there, Dave or Alex? The sloth? There he is. He's pretty cute, isn't he? I didn't realize, but that's the way God made a sloth. Uh, he, he can only smile. He can't. He can't do anything else. His, his muscle and bone structure is a permanent grin. And some of them have a bigger grin than others. And did you ever see a video of a sloth moving? It's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. He's like... And an hour later, he's... And, you know... It, how long does it take to sloth across the road? It's probably all day. Like slower than a porcupine. And you know, um, to me, that's kind of the world's song and laughter. A lot of it's just meaningless. Yeah, it's a grin on the outside, but it's just, there's not much going on up here in a sloth, I'll tell you. For the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. You know how quickly uh, some dry twigs burn up? That's about the extent of the laughter of fools. It exhausts itself quickly. There's a famous quote uh, from Shakespeare that you probably have heard before. It's Macbeth. And he said this, Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player, that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And we have a name for that. It's called nihilism. Just the idea that there's no meaning to life. And in a way, you know, Solomon was kind of getting there with his idea of everything is vanity. Who wants to be an idiot? Nobody. 
wants to be. Nobody sets out to be an addict. But if you don't set out for something, stuff happens to you. If you don't have the backbone to be your own person, you'll get led along by the crowd. If you don't have some answers to some really serious questions like who are you and where are you going, then you're going to drift. And you can drift into trouble pretty quick. You're better off getting a rebuke from the wise. How many of you like getting rebuked? I, I don't like rebuke. And I haven't been rebuked in a while. And that's fine with me. I don't want to be rebuked. But the Bible says if you rebuke a wise person, they will thank you. Why? Because the wise person realizes that sometimes, and in most rebukes, there's truth. So if you get told something about yourself that's negative, you don't want to hear it, you probably should realize there's a bit of truth in it. And, you know, in fact, everything in life teaches that you're going to be responsible. You are responsible. You know, your parents are trying to drum it into your sloth mind that you are responsible to do stuff like clean your room, wash your face. It's pretty hilarious to get Violet ready for bed. She's got this ritual. Brush the teeth, wash the hands, drink the water, and it's just a mess. It, but it's, it's good because she's... She brushes her teeth. She washes her hands after she uses the And hallelujah, she finally learned how to use the washroom. Well, that's good. That's good stuff. So you go to school, and you have to be responsible at school. Unfortunately, nowadays, it seems like schools have got this idea that, wow, kids aren't really responsible, the poor things. We just need to push them on through. Um, you're responsible to your friends. I'll tell you, you mistreat your friends, you'll be on the outs. You bully your friends and you'll be on the outs. You don't get ahead by doing that. You are held responsible for that. The police, they'll hold you responsible. And I'll tell you the, the ultimate responsibility, your wife. <laughs> Brother, she'll hold you responsible. Um, that's a good thing. I've learned more from my wife than anybody on this earth. You know that? And she's not afraid to tell me so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She never talks to me like that. <coughs> it's because we need to learn responsibility. And, and quite often, uh, women are a little more mature than men in their 20s, and they have a little more sense of responsibility. Uh, it was drummed into them earlier, or they couldn't get away fast enough like the boys could. Uh, but anyway, eventually, men catch up. A rebuke from the wise. I'm going to tell you something. You can't fool with your parents. You can't fool with the school. You can't fool with your friends. You can't fool with the police, and you can't fool with your spouse, and you cannot fool with God. You ever look at a picture of Mount Everest? And wonder how high that is and how hard it is to get over. Apparently, it's really hard to climb. Um, God is like a mighty mountain. Uh, third day, I had this song years ago. You were like a mighty mountain, quote in one of the Psalms. And, and he's, a, a, he's a mountain that you cannot scale. I don't know if you've ever been to the, the Grand Canyon. 
uh, or any of those huge canyons out west, and you've got these, you know, walls, sheer walk walls, thousands of feet high. You can't scale that. You can't scale God either. You can't fool with God. But see, God has a remedy for that. He offers something we call grace. So it says in John chapter 3, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, the son could scale the wall. The son could reach God for us. Whoever believes in him should not perish. You have to believe in him. You have to put your faith in, in Jesus. It has to be real. You can't fake it. You can't fool God. You can fool almost anybody else, but you're not going to fool God. If your faith isn't real, it isn't going to cut the mustard. <coughs> For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. See, Jesus didn't have to come in to the world to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. You're already going to die. You're already uh, labeled by God and everybody else a sinner. You already have a problem with God. And so you're under that condemnation. You're under the condemnation of death. See, God's original uh, idea and plan wasn't that he created people to die. He created people to live. But people chose sin, and sin brings death, and now that's what we all face. That's the condemnation. Jesus came to take the condemnation. How are we doing here? Well, time to wrap up. A couple other things that I'll just briefly say that, that are in this. Josh gave me chapter seven and eight. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> We're not going to do all that, that's for sure. But I just want to say this. Um, verse 14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Because you get both. You get good days and you get difficult days. You get adversity. And you know what? When you get to the day of adversity, don't get angry. Because angry will lodge in your heart and soul and eat you up. And don't wish for the old days, it says here. Where does it say that? I saw that. Uh, verse 10. Say not why were the former days better than these. We boomers, we love to do that. I'm always seeing stuff on on uh, Facebook about how good the old days were. So Glenda made this puzzle and it's all the cereals we ate when we were kids. And every cereal name started with sugar. Sugar Pops, Sugar Smacks, uh, Cocoa Krispies, uh, you know, the little Gonzalez guy and the Tony the Tiger and, and all that stuff. And I was, it's just this, it's attractive. It's so colorful and I'm thinking, we grew up with junk. That's junk food we had for breakfast. It's wonder we're still alive. The old days weren't always better. It's no good to think like that. It's kind of a waste of time. Uh, you better embrace today. Uh, the end of chapter 7. This alone I've found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. 
And that's what we do. We try to scheme our way through everything. We try to bluff our way through everything. We try to get a little bit of sin and hide it. And we try to not to be responsible. And we try to avoid God. And we try to avoid death. And we, we just think that it's not going to happen to us. And you're going to hit the wall. Verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him, but it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not Fear before God. See, it, it seems like evil doesn't get punished, but it does. It just doesn't get punished maybe immediately. So, you're not here for a good time, and you're not here for a long time. Why am I here? What's the point? You're here to prepare for eternity. And that's a big, bigger thought. Like, it's hard to get your head around that. But that's where the scriptures comes in. It is full of wisdom of how to prepare for eternity. The first, you have to get right with God. You have to come to Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the only way. Well, that's not very popular. Well, you know, God's not very popular. And his way is not very popular. But his way is the only way to life. And I'll guarantee you that the day will come when everybody will know that. Because the Bible says the day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and in hell that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Second thing, get some truth from God. You know, this old book, it's been around a long time. Uh, you know, thousands of years. And you think, what can you learn from that? Listen, you'll never learn all that this book can teach you. You'll never exhaust it. And you, instead of wasting time, put some time into learning what's in this book and put it into practice. Life speeds by. Look, you know, when I think about being 70, I cannot believe how fast it is. You know, and I asked Brittany the other day how old Bridget was, and she's nine. You know, it's not that long as she was two. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, the kids are growing up. Um, you know how you start to realize how fast life goes, and it doesn't really slow down. So don't waste your time. That's precious. And don't waste your health and don't use people. Serve people. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I just thank you for your word, Lord. It's just got wisdom for so many things, for everything that we need. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would take this home with us today, that we'd realize we're not just here for a good time. And Lord, you've built fun into life. You want us to enjoy life, um, but not waste our life trying to chase enjoyment and chasing fun. 
That's foolish. And Lord, we're definitely not here for a long time. Some of us get to 70 and some of us get to 80 and some of us don't get to 40. And we don't know what that'll be for ourselves. We have no idea, but you do, Lord. Uh, You know the day that we're all going to leave this world. And so we need wisdom for that. So Lord, I pray that if anybody's here today and they don't know you and they don't, they're not right with you and they keep going their own way and they've not yet bowed the knee to you, that they would really ponder these things and really think about where am I going? And Lord, for those of us who know Jesus, uh, Lord, we are tempted every day to waste time and to spend our health and to waste our money and use people and give into temptation. And Lord, uh, you have a better life in mind for us than that. You envision us, Lord, like this, to be like a tree planted by the water, deep, putting down deep roots into Jesus Christ and bearing fruit in season and whatever we do, uh, prospering in it. Even in adversity, Lord, you call us to prosper. So teach us, Lord, these things. Thank you for your word and bless these people, please. In Jesus' name, amen.